you get older and you realize like what's all consuming to you is a blip for someone else. You're listening to episode number 95 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. New episodes are released only on Self-Care Sundays, and this week's episode, I'm answering questions from a university student about my job. So I've actually done a few of these episodes in the past, episode number 54, where I answered a Stanford student's questions about my job, and I realized that that has already been a year ago. Um, And I think episode 76 is also a similar episode to this, but because things change so quickly in my industry and my work has evolved a ton over the past year, I thought I would turn these questions into another episode um, to keep you guys in the loop of what my life looks like now. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to let you guys know that I released some new pieces on selfcaresunday.co. So if you haven't shopped before, it is my version of merch, which is cozy, comfy, sustainable, ethical, and uh, thrifted pieces, some vintage, some like new, some brand new with tags, and it's all within the aesthetic and realm of self-care Sunday. So things that you could wear, you know, lounging around the house, working from home, um, pieces that I love and that I've decided to part with uh, because I don't need a million things in my closet. So if you're looking for some new sweaters or some new pieces for fall, definitely go check out selfcaresunday.co. I will have it linked in the show notes below. And if you subscribe to my Patreon, you get exclusive discount codes um, that nobody else gets. So I'll also leave that in the show notes below. And now let's get into today's episode. So if you're new to the podcast or you don't know that much about me, uh, my name is Kaylee. I work in influencer marketing and I actually own a talent agency where we represent influencers, uh, manage brand campaigns, and I also do content creation and strategy for brands, whether that's on Instagram or TikTok. So basically living in the social media marketing world and with a heavy focus on influencer management and influencer campaigns. So the first question that I got was, what do you do? on a day-to-day basis? I think that's a great question because everything I just said doesn't really describe my actual job. So day-to-day basis, um, I work for myself, which means that I don't need to get up and work specifically nine to five every single day. And it's one of the reasons why I love being an entrepreneur. So I generally wake up around 8, 8.30 every day and I start working around 9.30. Um, and usually my mornings consist of a bunch of emails. So I'm going through inquiries that brands have who are reaching out to influencers that I manage. And I basically manage and field those questions and inquiries from brands. I send them the rates and the insights and audience statistics from the influencers that I manage. And I basically help negotiate those collaborations and deals for this influencer roster that we work with. I additionally work uh, with brand clients. So Brands hire me to basically manage their influencer relationships and partnerships, which means that we're oftentimes researching the best influencers for a campaign fit and reaching out to their talent agents or to them individually to um, basically get their insights, offer them different deals, uh, figure out how we can best work with these influencers in a creative way. Sometimes it means jumping on calls, and I would say probably 
I usually have one to two calls every single day, whether it's with a brand client or with an influencer that I manage to really align on everything that we have going on that week, um, update any reports from collaborations, that sort of thing. And then depending on the day, I usually spend one to two hours doing my own content creation as well. So my content creation, I kind of see as a side hustle slash passion project. It is definitely not my full bread and butter. It's not what I necessarily even want to be doing, but I've grown my platforms to around 10,000 followers on Instagram and almost 50,000 followers on TikTok as of this recording. And so I do get quite a few brand inquiries and I've gotten to a point now where I can weed out the brands that I don't want to work with and I can be a little bit more picky of the brands that I do want to work with. So typically the only real brand partnerships I'm doing are paid partnerships and long-term ambassadorships. Um, for example, Missouri is a brand that I've been working with for, a, I think, a year and a half now or maybe two years. Um, I also work with Biore, which is another one. I recently did a really big partnership with Bear Paint and Home Depot. So I typically tend to work with uh, larger brands now and I'm creating content that goes on my Instagram, TikTok, or for their own usage. Um, so that's kind of a side thing and I guess an extra source of income for me, but it's definitely not what I do full time. The majority of my work is spent in emails, sending pitches, um, negotiating rates on certain deals for influencers that we work with, and creating campaign briefs and reports and that sort of thing for the brand client side. The next question is, what educational background do you have? So I went to university. I went to the University of New Brunswick and specifically the Renaissance College faculty at UNB. And I moved across the country from Alberta to New Brunswick specifically for Renaissance College and for their Bachelor of Philosophy in Leadership Studies program, which is a mouthful. Um, basically, it's a three-year full-time program that goes over the summers as well. There's built-in internships throughout the program, so you need to get hands-on experience working for nonprofit organizations or uh, companies that you admire, doing traveling, these types of things that I was really interested in when I started university. And I honestly thought that I was going to go into that program, finish my degree, and either go to law school or go do my master's. And so by the end of my degree, I'd become more interested in the fashion world. Um, I had been modeling, I'd signed to a modeling agency, and had been doing a lot of collaborative photo shoots for fun with friends. And so I thought, hmm, I think uh, going to fashion school after this could be really interesting. It's a world that I want to be in. And I've always loved academia, so I applied to the Master's in Fashion program at Parsons in New York City. I got accepted with a pretty hefty scholarship, um, but around the same time, I also co-founded my first startup, which was a clothing line. And uh, being at the University of New Brunswick, they actually had a new funding program for young entrepreneurs who were students. And basically you could apply with your business or your business idea. And um, if you were selected, they would fund you to basically work full-time on your business over the summer and give you prototype funding and that sort of thing to build your website, to buy inventory, um, all these you know costs that come along with starting a business. And so we actually got accepted to that program straight out of university. And I had a really difficult decision of do I want to pursue my master's degree uh, and move to New York and spend you know 
a ton of money on school or do I want to jump into this entrepreneurial side of things and really just give this idea a go and see if it goes anywhere and at that point I basically saw the entrepreneurial opportunity as something that I needed to take a hold of right then and there. We had the opportunity for funding um, and that idea was really starting to take off. It was a clothing line based around mental health awareness and this would have been in 2014 before mental health was really a thing that people talked about more openly. Um, you know, Bell Let's Talk maybe had a couple, one or two years of their awareness campaigns and so it was still like a pretty taboo subject. I mean, it is still now as well, but on places like Instagram and, uh, you know, other social media platforms, I feel like it's way more talked about now than it was in 2014. So the timing just seemed to be right for this startup idea. And I decided to turn down my master's and actually just do this, you know, business idea through that funding program at UNB. And luckily that kind of worked out because we ended up growing that business. Uh, I ended up doing that full time for about three years. We were accepted to another fashion startup program uh, out of Ryerson in Toronto, the Joe Fresh Center for Innovation, where we got mentorship from fashion industry executives and mentors and people in the space who had been doing this for years and years and years. Uh, did a ton of really amazing collaborations and partnerships uh, with organizations like the Jed Foundation um, and other nonprofits in the mental health space. But my role with the company was mostly running the marketing, social media, ambassadors, and influencer programs, which, you know, six years ago, influencer marketing wasn't really a thing. And so I'd created kind of grassroots programs for our clothing line, uh, campus rep programs, ambassador type partnerships and we really saw those taking off and making a really big impact in our business and in driving traffic and sales and that's really how I got into influencer marketing in the very beginning. Um, from there I left that company after about three years so this would have been now around three years ago and it was truly like me just being burnt out from working in the startup space. It was really emotionally exhausting, financially exhausting. Anybody who's started their own business or has worked in a startup, you know, on a really small team can understand that. And so I was pretty much burnt out from that world. Um, and I started freelancing and the freelance clients that I got were all interested in me kind of replicating the same ambassador programs and micro influencer partnerships for their brands. So I was primarily working with fashion, beauty, wellness, um, smaller e-commerce companies and creating micro-influencer campaigns for them. And this was all on a freelance basis. And that's really where I started um, working in this industry. And then from there, just grew and grew and grew. And I kind of became an expert in this field. I was interviewed for a Huffington Post article about a year ago, and that kind of blew up. And that's where a lot of my, I guess, incoming clients and, and buzz around my, my work started and the past year has just been a complete whirlwind of starting the agency and working with larger clients and just really like going full time on influencer marketing stuff. So basically my educational background in the sense of my degree is not something that I use at all now in my day to day. I loved university, I loved the program that I took, uh, it had a really big emphasis on critical thinking, on problem solving, on you know community management, these different things, and the internships that I did during my degree were super memorable and impactful. 
But in terms of do you need to go to university to work in this field, I've talked about it so many times on the podcast before. I personally don't think so. All of my experience working in influencer marketing, I basically taught myself from YouTube videos and podcasts and just doing it and figuring it out on my own. Um, And I know that there's PR programs and marketing programs, but personally from the questions I've received from current students and conversations I've had with people, it seems like a lot of university programs are super outdated when it comes to influencer marketing. And of course, like there's no way that they could be fully up to speed because the mar- the industry has been changing so quickly over the past couple of years that what is true today, you know, was not true two or three years ago. And uh, it would be impossible to continually update textbooks and things to keep up. So I understand that. I think why I would recommend university and like a degree like that is for the experience, for the connections to, you know, build student credit for internships and and these types of things. And, you know, being a student opens a ton of doors, whether it's just, you know, in emails that you send to professionals asking for mentorship or anything like that. When you can play the student card, I think it really can work in your favor. Um, But in terms of the hard skills, absolutely, you don't need to spend like thousands and thousands of dollars on university to go to fashion school or marketing or PR to be working in this space. That's one thing that I'm really glad I didn't do is I'm really glad I didn't do my master's at Parsons, even though that was my dream school and I wanted to go for so, so long and it would have been like a Gossip Girl, like amazing fashion New York City moment. I'm so glad that I didn't go further into debt um, trying to pay for a degree that I didn't really need in the end. And now I'm I'm working in this industry without having that. And I think if you're like on the fence about it, um, just knowing what type of person you are, if you're really self-directed and self-motivated and you can teach yourself things, you don't need to spend a ton of money on a degree to work in this space. Um, but for some people, it's, it's really helpful and those connections and experiences can be really great. So I think it's just a, mo- a matter of being self-aware and knowing what's good for you personally. Okay, the next question is, do you enjoy your job? I think this is a great question. Um, Honestly, yeah, I love what I do for work. I work almost too much sometimes, and I think that's, you know, part because of the industry that I work in and part because I am my own boss. Um, I'll usually work like 9.30 to 7 or sometimes 9 to 9. Like, it can be like 10 to 12-hour days it's because I, one, take on too much and say yes to too many things. Um, And two, I just, I love what I do. So even when I quote unquote check out from like client work at maybe 5 p.m., you know, I'll still spend a couple hours at night editing a podcast or uh, creating a TikTok video or these things that are still in a way related to my job because I am making money off these different income streams and I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't love it. So I, I, can't really see myself like ever going back to a nine to five. I say back, I, I never really worked at a nine to five. I've never really worked for anyone else because I think I've gotten so used to the freedom and the flexibility of working for myself and like, you know, saying yes only to the projects that I love and like taking on clients and working with influencers that I really love and not being in a position where I have to say yes to things that I don't want to do. 
but it is kind of a catch 22 because I end up working myself really hard. And I think that's something that I've learned this year. Um, I'm finally in a position now where I just hired two more part-time people to come onto my team uh, for the agency to do content management and to help with influencer partnerships. And that was a really hard decision for me and something that I mulled over for maybe one or two months because as somebody who's, you know, who loves working for herself and I do a ton of things on my own, like I take on too much because I want to be the one that gets it done because I know I can do it right. Um, it was hard for me to delegate and to like expand a team. But now that I'm in that position again, I feel super grateful for the people that I've found and hopefully I'm able to continue growing that because uh, I want to keep doing all these things that I love. And I realize that the only way to not get burnt out is to learn how to delegate better. And um, that's what I'm doing now. The next question is, would you recommend your job? Why or why not? Uh, I would recommend my job to people who are interested in influencer marketing, but don't necessarily want to be influencers. And I think this is a big caveat that I see in this industry is that so many, particularly women, but a lot of, of young men too, are really interested in the idea of being a famous YouTuber or a famous TikToker or influencer because they think that means, you know, you'll make a ton of money and, you know, you're famous and it's, it's like a cool thing, obviously, to be an influencer. You get free stuff, free trips, blah, blah, blah. Um, but in terms of working in the industry, like the business side of it, it's definitely very different than the content creation side of it. So if you're a content creator and you love creating content um, and you want to be a full-time influencer, I think a huge like piece that's not talked about is the business side. And you can't be a successful influencer without a strong business side. So I, I think like having that education around what this industry actually looks like and knowing that you can work in influencer marketing without being an influencer like you can be somebody who's behind the scenes negotiating deals you can be somebody who's running paid ads on top of influencer um, user generated content there's so many other ways that you can interact with influencers if this space interests you but I think being really realistic about like what what your skill set is, where your your interests really lie, and having a tough skin because it is an industry that there's a lot of feedback on creative things, and if you don't have a tough skin, it can be you know difficult to navigate, especially as an influencer or a content creator. It's hard to get feedback from brands sometimes that you don't want to hear because what you created didn't align with their vision or whatever. So I would say like if you're a creative person, this industry can be, you know, really fun, but you have to be really realistic about what the business side actually looks like. And if you're an analytical person and you you like the idea of working on the back end, then definitely there's so many different roles and jobs that you can have within influencer marketing that are not being an influencer in front of the camera and a lot of jobs that are way more sustainable and easier to grow in positions and things like that that are not being an influencer uh, being an influencer being a content creator is a huge uphill bot battle takes a ton of time and patience and consistency and creativity and there are definitely things that you can learn to go down that path and be successful on it but I, I'm not sure every single person is cut out for it because it is 
very challenging industry, just like it's challenging to be an actor, just like it's challenging to be a musician. Um, And the more business side that you know, the better your experience and your success as a content creator and influencer is going to be. So I think just like recognizing your own skills and weaknesses and strengths and and things that you like doing and where you see yourself and then placing yourself within the the industry without necessarily being like, ooh, I want to be a famous influencer. I think that's really key. Now, the fifth question is, what advice would you offer students that are thinking about this as a career? And I feel like I kind of touched on that with my last rant. I think my biggest piece of advice is to always be learning to whether that's listening to podcasts anytime you're going on a commute that are diving into uh, things about the industry or taking free classes or workshops from influencers that you admire or learning new editing strategies or you know there's so many different things um, that as a content creator you can constantly be learning and I see a lot of people that get kind of stuck in their content creation because it is so much work and it is an uphill battle and I think um, it's really important to constantly be immersing yourself in that education and teaching yourself new things all the time and then from a business perspective like let's say you want to be a talent agent or you want to be working on the brand side versus as a content creator I think I would just tell students that you're going to be getting into an industry where a lot of the people older than you and more experienced than you actually might know less than you. And this is something challenging that I think as a young person and a young woman in this field, I know so much about influencer marketing because I spend 95% of my time awake on my phone and because I'm immersed in the culture and I've worked on the influencer side and on the business side and on the talent agent side and I just have a lot of knowledge and experience in this space Um, and a lot of times the businesses that you work with or the people higher up than you might have very little knowledge on what you actually are doing and you might have to pitch yourself on certain ideas and really like stand up for why you believe an influencer should be paid more or stand up for and justify your reasoning behind casting certain influencers over others and things like why you know follower count isn't the only number one thing that matters when casting influencers there's all these uh, other things that need to be taken into consideration and i think a lot of young people who have grown up on the internet and spend any amount of their time you know on instagram or tiktok or any of these things you have a good understanding of these platforms and so Um, A lot of times you're going to be educating people that are older than you and you might not always be taken seriously and it might be frustrating for you because you feel like you understand these platforms and you understand influencer culture better than higher up people that are making bigger decisions around budget and that sort of thing. And so I think that's just a, a learning curve and a challenge that a lot of like new people in the industry have to understand is like as a young person, yeah, you have a lot of experience on social media um, and you might have ideas of how things should be done versus how they've always been done and you need to really learn how to like stand up for yourself and pitch those ideas and be creative and find ways to measure the things that you believe in so that you can uh, you know have case studies and show these to clients that what you're saying is actually true. And honestly, you might not know everything. Maybe you think something because you've been on TikTok for a year and you think you understand the way it works and then you go to pitch something and it completely flops. And that's also just 
a part of learning and a part of adjusting to the industry. Um, so anyways, I guess my advice is like always be learning and don't be afraid to pitch things for yourself or to negotiate yourself and confidently like share ideas and that sort of thing with your team because uh, this industry needs more young voices that really understand the platforms and understand influencer culture in a way that older executives don't necessarily understand. Question six is, were you nervous to start something of your own? That's an interesting question. I guess yes and no. So I started my very first company when I was 20 years old. I was super nervous to start that journey because I'd never really done anything of that scale before. I was being super public about it. It's so, so, so scary. And then after I left that company and started freelancing and doing my own thing, I was also a little nervous because I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, But this past year, like launching the agency and, you know, starting my own thing in that regard, I felt very confident in it, actually. Um, Looking back anyways, at least in retrospect, I feel very confident because I know now that I'm at a place where I'm super experienced in this. I have a lot of expertise. I have a lot of knowledge and I'm really good at what I do. So now I think anything going forward, I'm, I'm not going to be as nervous because I've already done it so many times. Like, you know, the first time you start a business or the first product you launch or the first like big thing that you do on your own is always scary. And then it gets a little bit easier and easier and you kind of realize that nobody really cares other than you like you care so much about your business and it's your baby and when you're starting something new it seems like this massive deal in your own world and then as you get older you realize that like everybody else is caught up in their own things so even if your business were to flop or fail like yes it it feels disastrous in the moment and it feels life-ending um, or, you know, if you, if something doesn't go as planned with your business or with something that you're starting, it, it feels very all-consuming in the moment, but you get older and you realize, like, what's all-consuming to you is a blip for someone else, and they might think about it for, you know, half a minute, and then they go on their day thinking about themselves. So I think that's a mindset that has helped me as I've gotten older, is just realizing that... You should just do the thing, whatever you want to do. Like for me this year, it was writing fanfic. Like I love writing fanfic. Um, I used to be like a fanfic Tumblr girl, One Direction way back in the day. I think that was, uh, what episode was that that I recently spoke about my fanfic journey? That was episode number 91 uh, when I anonymously gained like 10,000 followers on Tumblr writing One Direction fanfic. And this year I got into the Gilmore Girls side of TikTok and basically making all these fangirl videos for Jess Mariano and shipping Rory and Jess and all these things. And at first I was like so nervous about creating this fangirl content because I was like, oh my God, like Kaylee, this is so cringe. You're, you know, a 26, 27 year old woman making these videos. And then I was like, you know what? Like, why do I even care? Like, it doesn't even matter. The other people that are going to see these are either going to resonate and love it or, you know, they might think it's cringe, but do I really care at the end of the day what other people think? Not really. So then I started writing fanfic more publicly because it had been a project kind of ongoing in the summer. And then I was like, okay, I'm finally going to like put this on Wattpad. And again, I was like so nervous about it, but... 
just realizing like what does it really matter at the end of the day like if people don't get it fine they don't get it this is something that I love I just like have so much fun with it I'm passionate about it and if you feel that way about a business or a product or a project like whatever it is like you just have to learn to become comfortable in yourself to launch and share those things with the world because a the world generally wants it or like needs more of it depending on what it is you know but like the world is constantly yearning for more and more and more things that are good and there's enough consumers now and readers and people to watch videos that we're always like looking for the next thing, always looking for more. So A, the world probably wants what you're going to put out anyways. So you shouldn't overthink it and not really worry. And B, if they don't want it, they're going to care about it for half a minute and then go on with the rest of their lives. And it doesn't make any impact to you at the end of the day. And so if your fear is failure, that's where I think your your real problem is because you have to go into things knowing that you could very well fail and if you do then you know have a backup plan have a plan b have a plan c and i like to think like what is the absolute worst case scenario so if i launch this business you know and i put it out there and i create the instagram page and the website and i start taking on clients what's the absolute worst case scenario the worst case scenario likely in any business is that it's going to fail and that you won't make any money and you might go into debt and you have to close the doors and everybody thinks you're a failure and that's the worst case scenario and even that is really not the end of the world you know there's a thousand and one founders who have started and failed their first businesses or their second or third businesses and then on the fourth attempt they get it right and they become super successful and you need to go through these phases of like beginning and launching and learning and failing and making mistakes and growing and rebranding and all of these things because if you don't how else are you going to get that experience like you don't learn that in school so anyways, that's my full rant on, was I nervous? Yes, I'm, I guess in a sense, I'm always nervous, but as I've gotten older, I've become more confident in my skills and myself and what I put out into the world and also just more confident in the sense that I don't really care what other people think as much anymore. Question number seven is, when you started your company, did you write a business plan? Why or why not? When I started my very first company uh, out of university, yes, we did write a business plan because it was basically required going through this accelerator program that we were going through. Um, We basically had like tasks every week of things that we had to do to get our business ready to launch. And one of those things was writing a business plan. And so I went through the whole process and revised and edited and, you know, basically redid the business plan ongoing throughout the summer and would kind of update it quarterly or every half half a year after that. When I launched the agency last year, I did not write a business plan. And uh, I don't feel like I needed one. I don't regret not writing one. It's It was more or less a thing of if I spend, you know, a few hours or a day or a weekend or a week writing this business plan and projecting what I want and blah, 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 like all the details. One, I didn't really have time to do that because I've been so busy with client work since day one. But two, I'm like, all these things are going to change. <laughs> like if I learned anything from my first business, it's that what you think is going to happen in the next year, two, three, five years is almost never what actually ends up happening. And so a lot of times business plans are like 
kind of a waste because you're basically just theorizing and projecting what you hope will happen. And I guess in a way, some people could argue, oh, well, manifestation is good and you're setting up the roadmap of what you want and setting those goals and blah, blah, blah. But personally, just the way that I work, I'm so much more like a... I guess in a way like an impulse worker in that I just like do things. I just take things on and get them done. And I don't do a ton of planning. I would just rather execute. So instead of like writing out a huge list of things that I wanted for, you know, my website or for an upcoming project, it's like, no, I'm just going to do the project versus writing about doing it. And that's how I feel about business plans. Obviously, my industry is very creative and very flowing and I've already been working in it for a couple years and it was just me really when I started, like me and my sister part-time when I started the agency. So it's not like I was writing a business plan for like a 50-person company that we're raising like millions of dollars of capital. Like that's completely different story. Um, But for me, no. And I probably wouldn't write another business plan unless I was at some stage in which I was raising money and I needed to do that. Uh, But with the agency, I, I never see myself really getting to that place. But I do realize like these are important things for just basic startups in like the tech world or basically any other industry than what I'm in. The next question is, what were your expectations going into starting the business? And for the agency, my expectations were really (laughs) not that big, honestly. Um, I think this is, again, because of my experience with my past startup and just like having been in this world, I know now like at least personally, the way that I work best is having low expectations and blowing them out of the water. And so I didn't really have big expectations. I wasn't like, ooh, I, I want to work with this brand and this brand and sign this many influencers in the first year and make this much money. None of that was was forefront for me because I think my main expectation was like, I just want to be doing the thing that I love to do and have a bit of a legit company and branding behind it so that it's not just me Kaylee Reed that's like freelancing so that was my main expectation and I even kind of told myself in the beginning of all of this that I didn't want to build out a big team with the agency because uh, I learned from my past startup experience that I don't love managing people like I don't think I'm a good manager Um, I'm somebody who has a hard time delegating I have a hard time giving you know strong critical feedback to people because I feel bad so I just don't see myself as a good manager Um, and so I didn't go into this expecting to grow this business into like a big team I really wanted to keep it really small maybe me and like one other person or two other people and so for the the longest time it was me and my sister who works with me and then uh, over the past two months or so things have gotten very very busy just taking on a lot of projects that I'm really excited about Um, so I have gotten to this stage now where I've almost been forced to hire additional people so there's I guess four of us now um, working on different aspects of the business and Now I'm realizing like, okay, I think I've grown a lot from when I was a manager, you know, being 20 years old and managing other 20 year olds is not a great experience for a manager. But now that I'm 27 and I actually have real life experience and I actually have experience running businesses and and doing all these things, 
I think I'm in a better place to expand the team and to bring more people on and to confidently like be able to give them roles and and know what I'm looking for in that. So it was definitely a big process, um, but I feel really good and really grateful for the people that I have found and brought on. Um, and I think now like I'm kind of at the stage where I'm like, okay, do I keep saying yes to things and keep bringing on more people or, or do I start being even more picky? And I feel like already I'm quite picky. Like I say no to a lot of brand collaborations. Um, I say no to a lot of influencers who ask me to manage them because I just, A, simply don't really have time and B, if I'm not like obsessed with what you're doing, then I, I don't want to spend, you know, hours of my week working on it. But now we're at the stage where like so many amazing projects and clients and influencers are coming to us and I do want to keep on saying yes. And so I guess this is like a kind of best case scenario in that I am able to grow the team in a way that feels super organic and that I can afford to do and I'm not going into debt trying to like grow this company and continue working with clients that I'm really excited about. So who knows what the future holds, but I'm really I feel good about everything right now. So the ninth question is, how has the internet influenced your choice in career? (laughs) I mean, my career wouldn't exist without the internet, without social media. And it's really strange and nostalgic to look back on like my first social media experiences, like being on Tumblr and being really immersed in in the One Direction fandom world and how now on TikTok, like parts of my job, like my content creation side hustle is creating these fangirl videos for Gilmore Girls. So it's really weird to see like a bit of a line connecting the two and how like 10 years ago, myself would never, ever, ever, ever in a million years think, oh, she's going to be getting paid to create videos on TikTok that are fangirl videos. Like never in a million years did I think that. Um, In terms of how it's influenced my career choice, I don't know if I've ever really like chosen things based off of someone else's influence online. Um, Really, I would just say that like the internet allowed me to make these decisions and to work in this career path and to be doing all these different things. And I wouldn't be here without that opportunity. So who knows, I might be working in traditional PR or I might be a lawyer in another universe where social media and influencers and the internet didn't exist, but because they do, I get to work in this field. And the final question, the 10th question is, has the internet impacted other aspects of your marketing? Um, Absolutely. But again, I only know internet marketing. Like I only really know social media marketing. I don't really have a grasp or expertise in traditional marketing such as billboards or you know, magazines, like those types of things I've, I've never worked in. So I can't really speak to that. I can only speak to internet marketing and social media marketing. And uh, these are, again, the only reasons why my business exists, the only reasons why I get clients, the only reasons why brands reach out to me is because of my presence on Instagram, primarily. Say Instagram is like my number one driver of traffic and, you know, having built my community there to over 10,000 for the past, 
it's been probably seven years maybe that I've had an Instagram longer than that. I maybe eight, nine, I don't even remember, but it's been that long to get to the 10,000 mark. And so I'm not like a huge influencer by any means, but building that community organically and creating content over all this time it's, it's it's organic marketing. It's it's really grassroots. I don't go out and spend paid ads on um, Facebook or Instagram to get people to convert to the website. I maybe pay for an ad like once or twice a year just to test something out when we're launching a new workshop or something like that. But I think a, a lot of like older traditional businesses still don't really understand that social media can be the most organic and free form of marketing for you and so whether that's you doing it or someone on your team doing it or you hire an agency to do it um you know it's it's building a community over time that are naturally your consumers and your buyers and you don't really need to sell to them because when you announce something or when you share something people are like ready to buy because they've been invested in your journey this whole time and so that's really like how i've been able to market myself and my services on Instagram is like, for example, the other day I put out a story that we're trying to support more small businesses through the agency. And so we're running uh, holiday giveaways with myself and a couple other influencers on our roster and we're doing it all at discounted rates. So for the majority of the year, whenever a brand reaches out to one of these influencers, their rates are generally between, on average, I would say between $500 and $1,500 for a single post. And for Christmas, we're doing these discounted holiday giveaways that are between $100 and $400 for the same influencers with like thousands and thousands of followers and reach. And so that basically came about because uh, I had ranted on my story earlier that week about fast fashion and Aritzia and the importance of supporting local and had so many submissions from my followers suggesting great local companies to support from and to buy from. And then from there, I was like, oh, well, it'd be great to work with some of these companies and do giveaways for our followers so that more people can have access to these really awesome products. And so all of this came about like super naturally. And then I posted a story being like, hey, like this is what we're doing. Um, If you're a small business owner and you're interested in partnering with us, it's a really minimal fee compared to what, you know, influencer marketing generally is. And so we put that together and now I think we have around 20 or 30 businesses that have reached out in the past day or two that are interested in participating. Um, But that's really how I see marketing. Like I have been really conscious in building, continuing to build my own social media presence because I know that I can act as my own influencer for the agency and for my own services. And so Yes, it's not my full-time thing and I don't want to be a full-time influencer on TikTok or Instagram or what have you, but I continue to grow those channels because I know that in turn, it eventually turns into clients and customers in this really natural and organic way without having to feel like I'm selling to people 24-7. So that's basically how I view marketing for myself and my clients my agency um and again like none of it would exist without the internet social media this whole industry doesn't exist without that so um very lucky to be living in 2020 despite all the things that have happened like it is really cool to to live in an era where you can work from home you can build your own business and do all these things without super formal education without spending thousands and thousands of dollars 
there's education everywhere. Like there's free education everywhere for this type of industry, for this field. And it is, it's really cool that, you know, not just myself, but so many other women mainly, but men as well, young people can be building their own brands and businesses because of the internet and live your own dream by building your own brand online. So that's where I'm at now. That's kind of a recap of kind of where work is for me right now and what we're doing. And and I hope this was helpful for you if you're a student thinking of going into this industry or if you're just someone who's curious of like, oh, what does she actually do? Um, I will again leave selfcaresunday.co in the show notes uh, as well as a couple other places you can find us. Instagram is my favorite. So Natalie is a new team member that I brought on last month to do content management for the agency and for Self Care Sunday. And she's been killing it. She just, you know, posts really cute aesthetic things uh, that make me feel like every day is Self Care Sunday. So go give a follow if you haven't already. And until next time, happy Self Care Sunday, everyone. Thank you.